0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Playwright Repertory Podcast. My name is Sarah Lena Sparks, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Michelle Huntley. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to episode two of PRP, like BRB, but with Ps.
1: I thought I was the exhausting one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm still the exhausting
0: one. You are still the exhausting (laughs) one. So today... We really wanted to just talk about ourselves a little bit. Not to sound like condescending, but um,
1: Narcissistic. we just wanted to get to
0: know who are these people talking about these plays? Why do they have the credibility to talk about these plays?
1: Do we have the credibility? These questions Probably and more will be answered. Not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So this is just a little bit more about the Playwright Repertory Podcast team. Yeah. um and this is how it'll work a little bit from now on out mitchell do you want to talk a little bit about that
1: so yeah these uh episodes that that are going to be in between play readings are going to be more about the uh sort of the process and like how you go about writing plays different ways about doing this different structures techniques it's really gonna be more about i think the theory and more of like the structure and like the process more than the actual product which you'll be getting more with the uh episodes where we do actual readings
0: Yeah, so we're calling these little mini episodes that are about a little bit more fundamentals and sometimes little fun special episodes where it's mostly just going to be me and Mitchell babbling on about something about plates so to start our day we're going to be playing magnet to your computer between us two so i have written questions for mitchell and he's written some for me and we don't know what they are we haven't seen them yet in our folder they're titled no peeking so they are it'll be fun i'll start with yeah
1: i'm ready i have i'm not ready
0: it's funny because when i was writing these i was like I wonder what he's going to say, and I think I know what you're going to say for a lot of them. So it'll be interesting if you live up to my expectations. Oh are gosh! You, I hope. Mitchell Huntley, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Lift off and the clock has started. Magnet to your computer, Mitchell Huntley edition. Okay. What is your sense of humor? Smell. I hate you. Okay. <laughs> You can only listen to one musical for the rest of your life. Which one?
1: Sunday in the Park with George.
0: I thought you were going to say that. Yeah,
1: that's favorite pretty Favorite play brand. you've
0: ever written?
1: Favorite play I've ever written? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, I'd, say, I'd say there's a play I wrote called uh, Paid to Good Intentions. Um, I'd say it's my favorite. Uh, that's it's just, not
0: what I thought you were going to
1: say. You're going to say Scorched Earth. I know. Yeah. I, I like both of them. They're my babies. I I don't know if I can decide, but... Uh, you know what? Tate is the older child, so...
0: Okay. <laughs> so the first one, the first child is the favorite child? Is that how you do it?
1: As a middle child, I can confirm that it's the first and last, so...
0: Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, next question. Which Disney princess are you? Oh gosh,
1: uh... I'd say I, I strive to be Rapunzel sometimes, um, uh, but I feel like I'm honest sometimes or I'm just goofy.
0: Yeah, I actually took you about more of like a Belle kind of girl. Okay, okay. Because yeah. you're super studious, you know? Am I? Okay um okay continue, you're continue not studious you're just smart <laughs> mitchell just knows everything about everything somehow but he doesn't work at it so for all y'all who try really hard and then don't see the results he's the type of person who makes you want to pull your hair out okay next question favorite play you have ever read and or seen
1: uh all the way uh 2015 tony award winner for best play uh i loved it It's, like, historical play that I just... About uh, 1964 election and the passing of the Civil Rights Act rate show.
0: Also an HBO movie special? Yes. Something... I highly recommend
1: it. Great.
0: Um, Next question. You know what this one is. You're in a room with two other people. You fart. It's silent but deadly. What do you do? Pretend I sneezed. Okay. (laughs) Be like... Man, that was a
1: gross <laughs> sneeze. It's a gross, okay. it's a gross sneeze, but you know what? It's a sneeze. Like, what are they going to do?
0: Favorite childhood book?
1: Uh, Kingdom Keepers. It's a series. I, I liked the fifth one, actually.
0: That's the, that's the one that they'd always advertise on Disney Channel.
1: Yeah, it's the one. Yeah, it's the one about like the Disney, the, like the Disney parks after hours. It's like cool.
0: Okay. Next question. Body swap with one person dead or alive.
1: Stephen Sondheim.
0: Okay, that takes me to my next question, which I was happy about when I wrote because I know it's going to cause you like a moral dilemma. Okay, you have to erase one of the following people from existence. And if you erase them, that means that the things that they've done never happened, okay? Okay. You have to choose one, okay? You ready for the two people I'm making you choose from?
1: Two? Oh, no.
0: Yeah, choose. Shakespeare or Sondheim?
1: Say the first one again.
0: Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, or IE Willie Shakes, as we say on the streets. Can you uh, choose one of the? Do you know him? Do you know him?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie, Willie, yeah. Yeah, Willie
0: Shakes, you know him? All right, choose one.
1: Can I choose myself?
0: No, dang it! You, uh, you're gonna choose yourself over Shakespeare and Sondheim? You selfish son of a bitch! Do you think that your work is better than Shakespeare and Sondheim? Well, no,
1: it, it's taking it's take away one of theirs, so I would oh, save theirs so by taking myself.
0: You. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, I'd take okay, myself. But, no, yeah. but you're not in this. It's you have to. Erase. I guess I'd have to say.
1: I had to say, I had to say Sondheim.
0: Oh my God, that's sacrilegious.
1: Because Will, Willie Shakes is fundamental to like, because how old is, it's fundamental the to theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I was theater. thinking too.
0: It's like, he is like the branch to so much more. Theater. I wouldn't be
1: happy about it.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't be happy about I it. I know, I know you wouldn't. That's why I did it. That's not even the last question. Are you ready for the last question? I
1: think I know what the last question is going to be.
0: Bambi's dad or Hercules?
1: Uh you know my answer to this, and it is Bambi's Dad, only because I like to say
0: Mitchell likes Bambi's dad. Bambi's dad
1: is the original is the OG Disney thirst trap. I'm just saying.
0: Who's the like modern OG Disney thirst trap?
1: I feel like Hans was kind of like the thirst trap briefly.
0: No, yes, sideburns. (laughs) I can't. <laughs> mitchell I can't, shows I can't. me his sideburns but his are like fluffy yours are his or mine oh his <laughs> yours are just normal boy sideburns His are like fluffy like scandinavian 1800 sideburns those are different okay and he like is weird and creepy and evil
1: he is evil but he's meant to be meant to be hot so that it tricks you did spoiler, you see that coming you when you read it
0: i no, when you read it when you watched it did you see that coming i
1: mean i watched it much later than most people so i oh. did kind of know i saw it
0: coming i saw it in the theaters when i was in like sixth grade or whatever and i knew that we were supposed to like christoph more at the end so it was like something bad has to happen with hans so i saw it coming i'm smarter than like spoiler everyone i'm kidding <laughs> Seen okay, a well that wraps expression. up magnet to your computer with Mitchell Huntley. Oh, that was well over
1: two minutes, man. I yeah, <laughs> I
0: know. I forgot to set a timer, but I was just in the clock will be ticking.
1: The clock will be ticking. The audience uh, will have yes. already heard it. Yes, uh-huh. and they'll be wondering why the heck it was going on.
0: Yeah. All right. That was really mine. Cool.
1: Mine will be reasonable in time. Um, okay. Management. All right. You ready? It's gonna start out pretty small, but it's gonna get bigger. Okay. And. The clock has started. Lift off and the clock has started. Sarah Sparks, magnet to your computer. Coke or Pepsi?
0: Coke. I never drink Pepsi. That's awful.
1: Right. Movies or music?
0: Oh my god, that's hard. Yeah. Um, That's actually really hard. I guess music, because then you could have, like, scenes in theater. Plug! So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I... Glad you chose that because it segues into my next question, which is the Beatles or Queen.
0: Well, um, the Beatles. I do love Queen, but the Beatles have like just such a collection. But so does Queen. But I will say the Beatles. Okay.
1: All right. Next question: The Beatles or the actual Queen?
0: You can't make me choose that. You're going to make me kill the Queen of England. What? No, this is your preference. I know, I know, I know. I know it's my preference. I know you didn't say kill. Um, I'm an Anglophile, so that is hard. But the monarchy is also crazy that that's a thing. So the Beatles.
1: How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop?
0: It depends on how big the tongue is.
1: Okay, okay, okay. But if you were giving like an estimate, what what would you say? On um, an average ton size.
0: Dinosaur? Oh, okay. The average um a hundred and three.
1: Okay. Alright. You're stuck on an island, but you decide what the climate of the island is. What climate is it?
0: Uh sixty-eight degrees. But sunny. Yeah. Sunny but cool. cool.
1: You know the game 2048, right?
0: Yeah. What? I've never I've never completed it before.
1: What number-based game will be the hot and trending game in 2048? <laughs> what? What, um, what number-based game? What number what will be the number they play the game of?
0: In 2048? In
1: 2048.
0: 2020. That'll be the number-based game. Oh, okay, okay.
1: Cool, cool. What is the name of the shade of color that represents you the most?
0: That's like saying what color is your aura? What's the name? So I get to, like, make up the name?
1: Make up a fun name, yeah.
0: My shade of color is, like, Jane Austen had a baby in the 70s, and that (laughs) baby really liked Shakespeare. That's the name of the color.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Okay. You can have lunch with any two people, fictional or real, living or dead, who?
0: Paddington Bear. And? Oh, wait. I get to choose several people?
1: Two people. Two people.
0: Oh, you're very nice. Paddington Bear and Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, cool, cool, cool.
1: And finally, I think you know where this is going.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Bambi's dad or Hercules?
0: You see, the thing is, I don't think either of these entities are like, they're not to my preference in taste. I don't like muscular men because I'm afraid they're going to hurt me. And I feel like both of them are muscular. So I'm going to switch around on you and say Tadashi Hamada from Big Hero 6. <laughs> okay.
1: okay, that's That's not one of the answers, but okay. If
0: I had to choose from both of them, I guess I'd say... Hercules? I don't know. Or Bambi's dad. I don't know. They're kind of the same for me. They're I both feel like Bambi's
1: dad name. is like caring. Bambi's dad is probably I feel like like
0: he, morally cool, right? Yeah. Hercules is kind of full of himself. So I guess Bambi's dad. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's respectable.
0: But not because of the, the thirst trap that he is. Because of the personality.
1: Because he has a great personality. Okay. <laughs> 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 Okay.
0: And that's Magnet to Your Computer. And that's Magnet to Your
1: Computer for both of us. two
0: hosts. Okay. So now that that little game is out of the way, we wanted to talk about our experiences with playwriting, how we got here, why we're doing it, what we like about it, um, how, how we do it as a process, because that's really what this whole thing is about.
1: Basically, we're going to be uh, talking about... Um, Having some questions we've written down to like to help explain like our backgrounds and our processes, and we're just gonna be uh having a discussion about them
0: all right, so the first thing we want to talk about is what made us start to write plays what made us wanna be a playwright Mitchell I think
1: like writing in general started because as a child, I was so. Oh, Blaming narcissist and
0: <laughs> as a child I'm just as a, child. You're a very nice person
1: so yeah, as a child, I was always coming up with like the Mitchell channel i made a parody of the We I called it the me, which of course is I know, I know it's the name of the <laughs> character, <laughs> but um like I was like and so I was always like trying to like create like stories and worlds and stuff. that's why I started writing, and I actually started more with musicals, actually writing um. Music lyrics, book, mostly lyrics first.
0: Um, if you didn't know, Mitchell Huntley is also a brilliant composer. I wouldn't it's say brilliant. Award-winning musical, so he uh, writes the music as much as he writes plays. Cause he's a genius.
1: I started getting more interested in the plays when I was like getting kind of burned out when it came to music, um, and kind of I was a way, realized it was a way I could tell stories without having to. Result to writing a bunch of new music hoping no one had ever heard before. So I was like, I can use this. Sarah, what made you start writing?
0: Um, so if you asked me three years ago if I would have been writing plays, I would have said absolutely not. Um, when I was a kid, I was like you. And I was like a lot of playwrights and artists. I was just really imaginative. I had these markers that I would make people and, like, I'd make them talk to each other. And a lot of people thought I was playing with them like Barbies. But now I call them my little plays. And we had a Christmas village. And there was tons of video of me that I would take the video camera and I'd, like, place it on the Christmas village. And I'd move all the characters around after they spent, I don't know, two hours meticulously placing it. Then I would move them all around because um, that was my little stage. Um, But then I kind of said theater's not the end game for me, even though I was in acting classes and I really liked plays and I liked being in them and reading them. It just wasn't my thing. And then you told me I was having kind of an identity crisis one night and I was talking to Mitchell and he told me, hey, I think you really want to start writing. I think you want to be a writer. And so then I did it because of this man right here who I'm so grateful for. Um, and so, yeah, I actually kind of started writing because you and you encouraged me to do it. And then I just keep doing it and I don't stop ever. And I never stop thinking about it. And I never sleep. I haven't slept in three years. So, yeah. All yeah. right, Mitchell, what is your writing background?
1: So this is just,
0: this question is because I think a lot of people feel like they need formal training to become a writer, to be a playwright, to write plays. You really don't, and all these writers have so many different backgrounds that they're coming from and knowledge that they're bringing to the table when they write. So this is a question I'd ask any playwright. Yeah. Do you have formal training? I do not. I mean. Yes, you do.
1: I do now. I have one class. Of you formal had training. some
0: classes, and you had a class in high school.
1: I did have a class in high school, but it was more of a devising and then collaborating on from that devising. So that was that was really what I had in high school. I wouldn't count it as formal playwriting training per se. Yeah, so I didn't really have. I did not have formal training. I did not have training as a lyricist or composer until very recently, and even then, I'm still in school. So kind of just hit the ground running. Which is something you absolutely should do. If you have the idea for a play, you should absolutely just hit the ground running. All you need to know is just like, I don't be like, oh, this is a character name, this is dialogue, and this is stage directions. And you can write, and this is my story, and you can write a play.
0: There's no even like big format that we've all decided on. There's a couple, there's one that I think is like the main one, but even then, sometimes you'll see it, sometimes you don't. So you really just write words on paper. That's all you do.
1: I should I guess I should maybe mention that I have that I have experience with putting stuff on because I did um it says I was the recipient of the uh 2018 uh Ooh. Despian Musical Works wow. um audition winner uh, So I did have a musical of mine put on at the International Despian Festival in Lincoln Nebraska in 2018
0: Lex, you've been to lincoln nebraska that's... i've been to
1: lincoln nebraska guys oh. i went to the five guys there wow oh
0: uh, no five guys <laughs> we're west coast people man in and out all the way
1: yeah so i do have i have worked with i have worked in that um sense and so i have i've experienced putting on shows as well um as i'll probably i think we might be talking about that at some point more about so i've, I've done producing as well so i've seen
0: that's another episode that's another episode. That's
1: another episode, though. Yeah. Sarah, what is your writing background?
0: Um, Like, non-existent. So, I'm a classically trained vocalist, so I don't really know how I got here. Sing an um, aria
1: for the audience right
0: now. Seeing an aria for the audience right now? Yeah, yeah right now. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I did some theater with Mitchell outside of school, and we had a teacher... I still have her, Um, at South Coast Repertory, the greatest place on the planet Earth. Ooh. And there they really want the actors to know about text and what we're saying and how playwrights have so much intention when they're writing it. And so I think being taught with that in mind made me want to start writing because it kind of taught me a little bit about why things are written in theater and what things mean so that's the only kind of theater even theater in general training I've had um writer training really none I guess my background is just like I write a lot
1: um that's like I mean that's most of what practice you get is from writing it hearing it out loud
0: I write a lot I send things to things sometimes I get good news Sometimes I get bad news. She's Sometimes I get news. mediocre news. <laughs> so, and I think that's all playwriting is. So, yeah. I just want to also been to Lincoln, Nebraska. Sarah's also been to Lincoln,
1: Nebraska because she had a play um in 2019 that uh won the Playworks competition. If you were, by the way, if you were a high school writer. Uh, and you have like a uh, local you have
0: thespians at your school join thespians
1: join thespians and you should absolutely submit to uh, the musical works if you're a musical theater writer or the play works if you're a play writer. they also have film works and critical critics works. so if you're want to be aspiring like theater critic or a filmmaker you should absolutely submit to these yeah. it's a great experience
0: yeah so for high schoolers looking for opportunities um join a thespian troupe if you have one and if you don't do it yourself figure Start out a one. way to make a thespian troupe um, yeah, just take the initiative. And I think that's a lot of what playwriting is, is making your own opportunities, because it is not something where you can just find them very easily, especially when you're young. You know, I know that for me, I was constantly looking up in my computer, young, you know california young playwright playwriting for teens playwriting competitions for this age group um so yeah just really seek out those opportunities and that's the only thing that's really part of my writing background um, but i'm hoping to um find that a little bit more in college okay mitchell what's your process when you start writing
1: so when i first get an idea i quickly open up my uh phone Go to my notepad and write it down as quickly as I can, so I don't forget it um and then after that, I usually um usually my ideas come from sometimes their adaptations like I think of like oh, this would be interesting to look at sometimes it's like a lot of times it's very much not politically motivated but like social like consciousness like so it's very much like uh like I have some things about like the military industrial complex or like questions about morality and like society and stuff some of that. Really obscure stuff, but I think um, how I start writing is I I really just have to get that idea, from what I see, get it on the page, kind of flesh it out at first. Whether or not that means like an outline or a um or just like a general idea to go off of, and then I come up with the characters, and then from there those characters really help inform the plot. Sarah, what is your what is your
0: process? For me, I normally start writing when I get really infatuated with some sort of idea. Like, for example, I just felt like I had a line in my head that was just, (laughs) I'm infatuated with buttons. And I felt like that was a play and a story. And I wrote that line down in my notebook in November. And then it was kind of in my head. I wrote plays in between that time. And then in March, I finally had the story. And then I started writing it. So really, my process is all over the place. A lot of times I will get things from... Things that I feel need to be talked about. I think a lot of my work is surrounded by social justice and society around us and things that I've seen and read about. So I think for anybody wanting to be a playwright, one of my best pieces of advice is just know about the world, know about things that are going around, like around you, take in as much media as you can in historical too. I love a good period piece, and I think that there's just so many stories that need to be written, um, and if you feel like you resonate with one that you hear in your history class and that happened to me, just write it. Um, and I think that's a big part of writing, is just giving yourself a really broad pool of knowledge to branch off of. Liberal right. arts education. <laughs> Liberal arts education. Okay, or, you know, what? even if you're a STEM person, right? A cool play about molecular biology. All right, Mitchell, Huntley, me. What is your favorite play that you've ever written?
1: So I said one of them before. So I'm going to say the other one for this because you asked me the same question. So I'm going to say the other one for this one. Um, I love describing some of the plays I've written because they're always, I find them fun. I'd say Scorched Earth is a play I wrote. It is uh basically it's an adaptation of Antigone which if you don't know is part of the uh uh which basically the Oedipus trilogy it's the uh, about his children about war and like respect um for the dead and I set it in basically kind of like Vietnam era kind of and it's um about the military industrial complex and the way I like to describe it without sounding super intellectual is that it's a bunch of drunken teenagers beating each other up.
0: I've seen it on stage and yeah, that's about right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Sarah, what's your favorite play you've written?
0: Um, My favorite play that I've ever written is called Silent Night. It's my favorite because I think it has my heart a lot. So this one's kind of dark, but it's about gun violence and, you know, people who are victims of gun violence. And I started writing it during the 10th, I hate saying anniversary, but the 10th after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. Um, And for me, I just couldn't grasp that concept. And I know that that, for me, that's a lot of what makes me start writing is I need to have a conversation in my head about something. Um, And so my style in particular, I love using symbolism and imagery and metaphor And so um, it's about three children who have been fatally shot in a school shooting and them moving on to the afterlife. And they're guided by this very kind figure named Mr. Elephant because I needed to know that when children are shot in these very tragic school shootings, they have somebody taking care of them. So I think For me, writing is about also coping a lot. And I know that's for a lot of writers out there. So if you have something that you need to figure out a way to feel, I think playwriting can be very therapeutic in that you're putting yourself out of yourself. You're putting yourself on a page and you're allowing yourself to emote in a really healthy way. So yeah, that's my favorite play that I've ever written.
1: What is the favorite moment from a play you've written that's been on stage?
0: That's been on stage. Um, for me, so it's that same play, Silent Night, when people realize that the kids are now fully moving on to the afterlife, they um I use a lot of shadow and light imagery in the show that's written in the stage direction. So um when they realize that they are officially dying. Oh, the show's so dark to talk about. Um there is this there's a lot of imagery about Christmas too in the play because Sandy Hook took place around Christmas time. Um and so they talk about going on an adventure and going on the sailboat into the afterlife. And there's a shadow imagery where the sailboat meets a Christmas tree. And I think that's really beautiful. I love stuff like that. Very simple but Using simple shapes to really communicate a very complex emotional story, I think is really powerful. What about you, Mitchell?
1: I think um, one of my favorite moments on stage from one of my plays, uh, I'm going to go from the same play, uh, which is Scorched Earth. It was kind of originally set in like a three act structure. So it was like act one, intermission, act two, intermission, act three. So for when we did it on stage, the first two acts are very much like funny, ha ha ha. Like it's very much like the audience laughs a ton and act three takes a really different like tone. So it's much more like we're starting to get like the actual message, like we're kind of getting the payoff. And so Act Three starts with a monologue by a uh, character named Carrie, who is one of the, uh, based off one of the characters in Antigone. And so he is this really funny monologue and then it starts to get darker and darker. And then I remember when he put it on, the audience is like laughing, laughing. Then we get to the end and it's just dead silence. And, like, that turnaround, like, slowly moving them into realizing what's going on is just, oh, that payoff. Just really, I love that moment.
0: Since we have been talking about ourselves a lot um, in this episode, we wanted to do a little switcheroo. We'll be talking about each other. So, Mitchell, what is your impression of me as a writer?
1: I think you've described it very well. Um, You very much, like, you very much use symbolism, you're very much uh, social justice oriented, which I love. Um, and you, um, you're very experimental in your writing. Uh, since I've, I've read a lot. Of, I think I've read all your plays, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I read a play, I send it to Mitchell. That's kind of like how it works.
1: Yeah. And so there's, I love you very much experimental in a lot of the stuff you do. And you very much use the stagecraft um, in the stage directions. You're really much about that stage picture. Which is really good. I think um, you very much use a lot of symbols, you're very much social justice, and you have a lot of experimental aspects to it. And you're very much playing with like the meta theatrical, like stagecraft as well. Now, Sarah, what do you think of my writing?
0: I think you put on a lot of different hats when you write because your musicals, I think you've developed a lot into kind of like a different writer over the past couple of years. So I think your early musicals were really. (laughs) they were focused around like humor and kind of like a more basic storyline i'd say just like a very more hero's journey type plot um and then now they're really developing into some really beautiful complex meta storylines um, I think that your musicals do have a bit of a different voice than your straight plays. But you as a writer, I just admire and look up to you so much. Because if anybody ever has a chance to work with Mr. Mitchell Huntley here, take it as soon as you can. Because you will never meet somebody who is more enthusiastic about what he does. You absolutely love what you're doing, what you do. Um, And you just want to really dive in. And I think it's something that I really admire and look up to. So, yeah.
1: And I want to recommend if anyone gets a chance to work with Sarah Lena Sparks, you should absolutely jump on it. She is an amazing writer and an amazing person. And you will have an awesome time while working with her.
0: Awesome time. All right, Mitchell, why do you write?
1: I write... Because I can't imagine not writing. I just feel like the way I can express what I'm thinking through writing is just an outlet that I feel like I I need to keep working on. I need to keep exploring new things, new ideas. I write because it's just a way of how I can express myself and express the things that I'm thinking about, the problems I'm going through, I'm thinking in my head. And just, I just have to write. Why do you write, Sarah?
0: I think a lot of what I already said earlier, it's, it's, It's a way for me to think about things. And I think about things in a conversation in my head. So it just kind of naturally comes out on paper for me. I also just have so many stories. You know, I'm I'm a very imaginative person. And so I love coming up with stories. And I know some people, their brain doesn't work that way. But mine really, really does. So yeah, just kind of throw, like, I feel like I throw up. When I write a play, I, I just kind of throw up words, you know, in scenes. Sometimes I'll write the last scene first, the first scene last, the middle scene, a line. Just kind of comes out. And I also just can't really imagine doing anything else. So that's how playwrights... I want to say playwrights in quotation marks, but I guess our whole thing is like, if you write a play, you're a playwright. So that's two <laughs> playwrights, ways that they write, why they write, with their kind of background. Um, yeah. So we just think it's helpful for you to know from now on of why we're talking about the things that we're talking about. All right, so now that we've done the boring stuff, the
1: boring. Me and stuff. Mitchell
0: have planned games for each other, and we don't know what they're about at all. So I'm going to go first with my you game. Go for you go first, okay? Yes. Okay, this game is called Right or Right. Sponsored by Homophones. 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 We are not actually sponsored by any company named Homophones, but homophones are when words are spelled differently that sound the same. So it's right, R I G H T, or right, W R I T E. And these are facts about Mitchell's god, Sondheim.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Oh, I'm going to say. A, f- a fact and you have to decide whether it's right, R-I-G-H-T or W-R-I-T-E in which I wrote the fact.
1: Oh. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay.
0: Okay, you ready?
1: Gosh, I'm about to prove myself as if I'm a true fan or a fake fan now. Oh, no.
0: Mitchell loves Steve. Okay, we're not he- trying to call him that. I was more mocking Mitchell.
1: I did not call him that.
0: I have video proof. I will post it on the Instagram. This will be a full-on Kim K. Taylor Swift debate, and then I will send out the receipts. I have a video going. Ooh, Steve. So let's okay. go on with the uh, game. Okay, so the game. Are you ready for your first factoid? And you have to decide whether it's right with a W or right with an R. You ready? Sondheim claims that. Opening Doors from Merrily We Roll Along is the only autobiographical song he's ever written.
1: That is uh Right with an R.
0: Correct. That's yes. true. Yes, I did All right, that one. next one, ready? In nineteen ninety-two, Sondheim was working on a new musical film with Rob Reiner, but the project got cut because Reiner supposedly lost interest in the project.
1: I'm going to say, I'm going to say that is right with a W.
0: Uh, wrong. Oh, oh, an okay. They did That's a project good. and Rob Reiner was like, I'm bored and just cut it. Okay. Okay. All right. Ready for the next one? Yes. Sondheim has had two wives.
1: That is a W. He does not have a wife. He's he never gay. been
0: married. Yes. He's also just never been married to anyone.
1: He's also never been married.
0: So. Okay. Ready for the next one? Steven Sondheim loves to play Sudoku.
1: That is an R. That has got to be an R.
0: Nope. Dang it. <laughs> he might, but if it is, it's not on record. But I skewed this fact.
1: And I, I also said Sudoku
0: because Mitchell is obsessed with Sudoku. Because once again, this boy is old okay so i skewed this fact he actually really loves crosswords oh yes he loves often crosswords. wrote them for the new york magazine yeah that's uh, okay a fun
1: i knew he liked i knew he liked puzzles and stuff that's why mm-hmm. i was like
0: he loves puzzles yeah. yeah okay you ready for the next one so lots of people and this is a fact that you know lots of people will say that the opening and in Into the Woods that the witch's rap is the first rap on Broadway. Here's where you have to decide whether I wrote it or if it's real fact. Sondheim, however, does not agree with that statement.
1: He does not agree with that statement.
0: Correct. What do you think he thinks is the first rap on Broadway?
1: My thought is that the first rap is uh, the opening of Music Man, Correct. which is Rock City.
0: Yes. Correct. All right. Ready for the next one? Yes, he was neighbors with Catherine Hepburn and had a very close friendship with her. Right or right? W W. He is.
1: He was neighbors with uh, Oscar Hammerstein II and developed a close relationship with him.
0: Okay, you're kind of okay. The thing is, he was neighbors with uh, with Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn. But she hated him because this was during her run of Coco on Broadway and she could never sleep at night because he was always playing piano.
1: That's so funny. I did not even realize that.
0: Dang, that like apartment complex in New York is popping off. Um, and this is the very last one. Sondheim says that the only reason to write is to do it out of passion. Right or right? That's R. Correct, of course I said that. Okay, that's Right or Right with Mitchell Huntley, sponsored by Homophones. Homophones.
1: Not actually sponsored by
0: Homophones. But not actually sponsored by any company called Homophones, so if you're a company called Homophones, don't come for us, please.
1: All right. All right, this next game is based off of a uh, play that Sarah wrote called Childish, and uh, the name of this game is... Is this a game to you? And... (laughs) The aim of this game is to guess which child's game is being grossly misdescribed.
0: Okay.
1: So, like, for example, if I said, the objective of this game is that you hunt down your opponent and violently shove them, you would say... Tag? You would be
0: right. Okay.
1: So, let's start with the game. So... This game involves launching a rock or other projectile at the ground to harm it and then steering clear of the carnage thou hath wrought.
0: That's a game, and that's, um, Hopscotch.
1: You are correct.
0: Yeah. All
1: right, this next game is all about exclusion. You must choose which of your friends is the slowest and weakest so you can take their place in the inner circle.
0: Duck, duck, goose? Yes, it is duck duck goose. <laughs> You're <pick>, your
1: a <laughs> Um yeah. Fun fact, in Minnesota they call it duck duck gray duck.
0: That's awful. That's the grossest thing I've ever heard of. Minnesota, you should change it to duck duck goose.
1: I I get it though cuz Canadian geese are terrible and I'm sure they have a lot of them up there. Ah. Oh. Yeah. That makes sense. You don't want you don't want to give them too much for their ego. So, this game was the original social distancing. The goal of the game is to be the last one to receive physical contact and therefore be susceptible to disease. Tack? That is incorrect.
0: What is it?
1: Hide and go seek.
0: Oh
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hide and go seek. I don't a phrase it in a really weird way, but a really prescient way. This game prepares children to be drafted into the military through singular through a singular, rigorous exercise.
0: What the crap? Um, drafted into the military?
1: It is based off a military drill.
0: Oh. Uh, I don't know. Do you give up? Yeah.
1: Jumping jacks.
0: Oh. Oh. But that's not like a game. That's just one activity. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, this last one's the last one. The goal of this game is to make your opponent seem weak or bleed.
0: Uh, Fighting? Like, just punching? Wait, (laughs) wait, repeat that again?
1: The goal of this game is to make your opponent seem weak or bleed.
0: See, Oh, is that when people, like, scratch their hand through the alphabet until they started bleeding?
1: Bloody Knuckles is the answer.
0: Oh, that's a like gender is a concept, but that's a boy thing. Like,
1: (laughs) like, yeah, by the way, that was not a misdescription. That one is the actual real goal of the game. No, no, no BS. That's I remember
0: kids at my elementary school, they would like scratch their hand and say the letter of the alphabet and then like an animal until they started like bleeding. That was weird. That's weird. Yeah, that was really really weird. weird. I never partook. I was more of a tetherball, handball, jump rope, or you know what—that's such a lie. I would sit at the tables with my friends, and we would play like make believe or just talk.
1: I, I played handball. I did, but I also I also sat with a clipboard sometimes and just drew. I made a, like a <laughs>
0: oh, I, I, and little Mitchell with a clipboard. I can see that the and so paper, easily. and I drew
1: and I drew a. Uh, it's an anthropomorphic multiplication sign named multi. Made oh, a whole yes. Series. Wasn't
0: this your common app This essay? was my common
1: app essay. We're covering my common app essay in today's uh, episode. i um,
0: artsy, but math boy.
1: I, I've grown out of that math boy part. All okay. right.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode that you really get to meet the pod. If you would like to come on the pod, we really highly encourage you to submit your play. You can find us on Instagram at PlayRepPodcast, as well as SoundCloud to listen to our first episode. Gotta do that. Um, We get to read a play with Bella Arnold, and it's really fun, and she wrote a very good play. Um, And then you can also send us an email at PlayRepPodcast at gmail.com. Once again, please submit if you are scared and feel like you're not a real playwright. I have a lot of people I know who say they don't feel like their stuff is valid or real. It totally is because it's a play and you wrote it. So you're a playwright and that's a play. Nothing makes a play except for the fact that you wrote something that's a play. Exactly.
1: Yeah. The link to submit is tinyurl.com slash PRPSubmit. That's tinyurl.com slash P as in playwright, R as in repertory, and then P again as in podcast, submit. So you can do that right now if you have a play. You should absolutely submit, and we'd love to read your play.
0: As Ferris Bueller would say at the end of Ferris Bueller's say Off, what are you doing here? Go submit to Playwright Podcast. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Playwright Repertory Podcast. Mitchell, any final thoughts?
1: Don't play bloody knuckles. Thank you so much for listening.